God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. If you're new to the game, to the broadcasting game, part of being a pro is saying hey, hey, and check, check. If you're not, if you're new to the game, you might use other words like "hotty ho" or "ping ping 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 ping." But if you're a pro, like we are, I mean, I mean we're pros. We use the pro nomenclature: "hey hey, check check." We don't fuck around with "ping ping ping ping," but others. In the uh, podcasting world or, you know, who are just getting started. Dude, I can't tell you how many times I've been on a, on a podcast or listen to a podcast and those dudes are like, ping, pang, ping, pang, ping, pang. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Really? Ping, pang? Ever heard, of, ever heard of one, two? Ever heard of check, yeah. check? One, two, check, check. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> That was one of my things about watching Ollie do sound checks, which I don't know if you ever saw that. But talk about a guy who was real tired of saying check, check, hey, hey. He would turn the sound checks into theater, which was pretty fun. Yeah. And it was always fun watching like the the local crew deal with it. Um, because local crew guys are just completely ground down. We joke about being ground down. These guys are ground down, dude. You know, I think really enjoyed the sound check. Who? Jay Thomas. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Crew guy. He's just completely shut off. Like you see no registering of any emotion or any feeling on his face. But like the local guys, you could always see them. They would like whatever they're doing, like running cables, they would always stop and they would they would be watching Ollie head kind of cocked to the side, like curious, not smiling, not laughing, just sort of taking it in what it is. And once they it was like a computer file loading. Once they were done sort of understanding what it was, no smile, no laugh, just back to whatever they were doing. But it would cause, it's like the first little, like they were getting through to a dead person who'd been dead for a long time. They were like, they were like remembering a faraway dream when they were alive. He would sort of stir that, you know, sleeping giant, but it never to fully awaken them. They would continue going on as soon as they just sort of got what it was. Okay. They'd put it into place. Because he'd be screaming and announcing and doing theater and doing these soliloquies. There was no check one, two. Well, I just got the news that Ollie won't be doing the Mondays, which is a bummer. What? Did you say why? Uh, Yeah. But I can't say. Yeah. Maybe I can tell you in the secret weekly. Okay. Well. He's going to be doing the weekend gigs, though, so that's good. Is Danny Levin still playing at the Saxon? Yep. Well, there you go. You got your string strings guy. You just need to. Are you going to get a keys guy in there? Well, Danny Levin's a better keyboard player than Ollie. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. And he can play all the horn parts on violin. So, it. I just miss Ollie for. I like improvising with him. Like that's my favorite thing that we do at the Saxon is improvising with Ollie. Did he ever do any kind of formal? improv or acting classes he went to clown school okay so 
The answer is yes. He also went to the University of Chicago Laboratory School from K through 12. <laughs> That'll do some of it on its so own. So when you go to that school, a laboratory school, then you become Ollie. Well, I used to really love when you guys would do the bit Ollie Steck's Musical Garage, where you had a song that needed some work done to it. And he was just that classic Chicago mechanic guy. Well, there's just something about, I mean, we're trying out songs for the first time. Sometimes we're trying out a lot of material that we've never played before. Yeah. So mistakes can be made in assembly because we're assembling them on the spot on Monday nights. And uh, there's something nice about when you've just created a seafood buffet. And if you're a novice, seafood buffet is where you refer to the clams that some of the Mm -hmm. people have bestrewn upon the audience's eardrums during the song. Playing, 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 playing. So it's nice to just take a break, go to Ollie Steck's Musical Garage and kind of reset. (laughs) And instead of just hammering right into the next song, it's like it's like sustaining a penile injury. You don't want to you don't want to just fuck the next person that you see. You want to take a smoothie break. Let that thing heal up a tad <laughs> before you know, before you dance with the devil again as we call it in the music biz. Yeah. <clears throat> before you take it back to Clam City. Dude, before you enter Molluskville with your tiny addenda. Yeah. You don't want to end up on Oyster Island <laughs> with, without a doctor. Dude, you don't want to be, you don't want to uh, encounter the rock lobster. Right. As they, <laughs> as the B-52 so eloquently put it back in the uh, right. 80s, maybe. Yeah. Ever heard of a song called Red Red Wine? That's about a red lobster. Yeah. Red Red Wine. Oh, dude, that's not the B-52s. The B-52s is just fucking love shack. Who who sang Red Red Wine? Uh, UB-40. UB-40. Red Red Wine. I mean, it was an old, uh, I think it was an that old was an country old song. song but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that was UB-40 their big hit. UB-40 gave it the wings that it desired. It's interesting to think about songs that were actually big hits. That make no sense. Like that ma- that makes no sense. Love Shack makes no sense. Some uh, of the best songs make no sense. Dude, Rolling Stone magazine said that was the best song of the year. Love maybe, Shack. Maybe maybe one of the best songs of all time. I was reading that somewhere and I was like, it's a good song, but come on. Mesopotamia is better than that song. It's just weird. It's an unlikely hit song, is my point, you know? Have you ever listened to Mesopotamia or all of the B-52s shit? No. I I don't think I know any other B-52 song except for Love Shack. They have a song called Mesopotamia, and the lyrics are, they got a lot of ruins in Mesopotamia. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) So good. I mean, the, uh, I saw those guys live too, and they were fantastic live. Like they did not fuck around. What a strange band! I know. So, there are really strange bands like them. I mean, I think Talking Heads are strange, or like Devo. 
And then just occasionally those bands will have a big hit. Like Whip It was a big hit. <clears throat> Burning Down the House, big hit, really weird song. You know, when you think about what it's competing with on the radio, it's competing with like living on a prayer and shit, you know? Right. And it's just very much not like living on a prayer. <laughs> it could not be more different. Here's the lyrics from Mesopotamia. Turn your watch, turn your watch back about a hundred thousand years. <laughs> We're going to the history lesson time. I'll meet you by the third pyramid. We'll meet in Mesopotamia. I ain't no student of ancient culture. Before I talk, I should read a book, but there's one thing I do know. There's a lot of ruins in Mesopotamia. <laughs> and then it's like six or 8,000 years ago, they laid down the law. <laughs> I, like that he, I like that he's unsure in the song. It was either six or 8,000 years ago. Dude, if you're ever wondering like, hmm, where does Bob Schneider... Where does he, what, what are the, or what are the, what's, what are the, what's the soil that he put his roots in? The B-52s is that soil. Because I was smoking the herb and listening to that and going, I like it. Were these the days when you were wearing a cat in the hat? hat? Yeah. I mean, I like the idea <laughs> right first right first, figure it out later figure it out later because it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter I, i'm with you i'm with you i mean it'll make sense later because human beings find a way to top down make sense of everything yeah do you think that fucking um what's his name god damn it the guy from the b-52s oh my god you know who produced the song mesopotamia quincy jones David Byrne. What? Wow. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Whoa. They're very in the same category as Talking Heads. Whoa. <laughs> That's pretty wild. That blew my mind. He must wow. have produced that whole album. I'm going to listen to that album today. What's the album called? Mesopotamia from 1952. <laughs> it's called Mesopotamia from 1952? No, it's... No, oh, 1982, sorry. I was about to say, Jesus, 52. The year was 1982. The producer was David Byrne. The label was Warner Brothers. It was an EP, and it was originally planned to be the band's third studio album, but then turned out to be an EP. And then, yeah, so there you go. Well, you were asking, the, did that guy know what he was writing about and talking about? Hell no. They were just having fun. Well, here's the thing about that album. That was the only good song on the album because I've never heard of any of the other songs. There's a song called Throw That Beat in the Garbage Can. <laughs> Those dudes were wild. Guess what the lead singer of the B-52's name is, and he's not even a singer. He's just what? a talker. What? Fred Snyder. Schneider, I mean. So we might be, we're related, me and him. And what was that chick's name? The redheaded chick? Kate Pearson and Cindy Wilson were the vocalists. And they always sang like crazy in sync. Like they would sing all of their stuff together, but it, in harmony. Here's the thing that's funny about singers like that. I'm thinking about Fred in particular. Is when you watch the music video, you know, it's got me a car and a fat. It's like so ridiculous over the top. But when they're like in a stylized video, it makes sense. Imagining them wearing like a hoodie in the studio, like cutting that song. <laughs> like, 
how do you inject all that personality into the into the recording you know like i, I feel like ridiculous. fred snyder was always dressed to the nines right even in the studio like i think about these bands like kiss or slipknot that that are like or marilyn manson real you know have this af really strong aesthetic and affectation but when they're in the studio you know you know it is when we make records you're just wearing a t-shirt and tired and not looking cool well is it yeah is it yeah well or well yeah it's yeah well so should we let the audience in on on what we do we absolutely come up, we come up with the shit so there's the world and then you and me we do this thing called coming up with the shit mm -hmm. and when i say we it's usually you and one of the things that we came up with you was well dot 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 yeah no backwards oh yeah dot 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 well which you can use anytime you don't really have a response don't really want to respond but need to respond because it's a human not a robot that you're conversing with and you need to show them a that you heard what they said and that you respect them not necessarily is anything other than a breathing organism on the earth but also you you know you don't want to necessarily make them feel bad it's a great just pivot point yeah well it's well it's just it's basically it's similar to a period in that okay we let's we're done with this we're okay there's no solving this situation that we've just discussed. Let's move forward. Yeah. You, yeah. It's just well. barely above. It's barely above not saying anything, which is not good. Not good. Or if you really want to go super minimal, uh, just simply. Oh, Oh, period. Oh, yeah. Oh, is definitely less. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is more like, well, I heard you, but, and it well, goes great. It goes great with a side, like moving your head to the side too. Yeah, well, and then you you pretend to look at something. To yeah, the yeah. Side. Something has caught your attention. Maybe a werewolf. Anything. Maybe a pterodactyl. But let's move forward. I told a guy at the airport. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I actually told another grown up that I did not want to talk to them, and I just really needed the clearest direct path to ending the conversation that was happening. And uh, man, it did not go well. Didn't work. Man, ending conversations is something that is an art form. And some people are really good at it. Some people do it and the other person walks away going, oh, that person was so nice. <laughs> and then some people do it and the people walk away and go, that dude was dickhead. Well, the guy that I said it to, it's like he just couldn't believe it. <clears throat> He, I had a guitar on at the airport, and he's like, what kind of music do you play? And I was like, country music. And he's like, we don't have to sound embarrassed about it. And I was like, I'm not embarrassed about it. And he's like, well, you sounded like it. And I was like, I just really don't want to talk about it. That's the deal. And he's like, oh. And then he's like, quiet. And I was like, okay, that worked. And he's like, hard day? <laughs> I was like, no, dude, it's a long day. He just like... And then he kind of kept talking like that, like, well, <clears throat> I have hard, you know, days are hard. I get it. I'm like, man, you don't get it, dude. All right. Let, 
let's pretend you're that guy and I'm you and let's have the conversation now in the airport. Okay. Starting with what kind of music do you what play? What kind of music do you play? Uh, finger rock. What's finger rock? It's where you stick your finger in your ass and you fucking swirl it around and then you pull it out and you lick it. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well. (laughs) By the way, if you ever get pulled over by the police and they ask you what kind of music you play, the answer, the only correct answer is country music. (laughs) By the way. Or or whatever their favorite music is. Yeah. BT dubs. I mean, yeah, at least if you're in Texas. Maybe if you're somewhere else, it's something else. But I think really wherever you are it should the answer should always be country yeah people like country music mysteriously it is mysterious it is so mysterious country music is interesting i mean i write a lot of it you know with other people and i've played a lot of it with country artists and have a pretty general <clears throat> grasp i mean i've seen a lot of these audiences from the stage playing these songs i i feel like i understand some of it and here's an interesting hallmark of country songs the country industry is bizarre because people actively write every day and what they're trying to write about is what they imagine their audience's lives are like. Right. And no other genre does that. In pop and rock, artists and auteurs are just writing their little dreams. And David Burns just writing his crazy dream and hoping people like it. And sometimes they do. But David Byrne isn't imagining what his audience's life is like and then trying to write songs that appeal to that. So that's the first weird and and it's you know, it works, but it's dubious as art. As an art form, it's that's completely dubious to me. Some would say it's not art. Exactly. It's 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 a strange it's like com- it's commerce. It's commerce and it's pandering. It's just suspect in every way in terms of making art. The other thing that happens in that world is even big fans of it, like a big Luke Bryan fan or whatever, they don't listen to records. You know, they're not looking up mess. They weren't a kid like you listening to the Mesopotamia EP. It's just all singles driven. And it's all about whatever songs being pumped through their Spotify playlist or the radio. And they'll know that song and they'll have so many of their personal memories tied to that song. But that never translates to like, I love this artist. I love their deep cuts. I hope they open with something from the new record. I've seen it. I've seen the eyes glaze over when you're playing the new thing. And then as soon as you play the hit, it's you may as well be the Beatles. And that's another unique part of that world. Yeah, it is weird. But I mean, are there any country artists that write all their own music? Yeah, increasingly. Yeah. I mean, you've got someone like Marin Morris or. Oh, you Taylor got Marin Morris? Yeah. You got Marin Morris? Who else? Uh, Taylor Swift co-writes and writes all of her own stuff. Kip Moore writes his own stuff. Jason, you know, if you want to get into the cooler aspect of it, someone like Chris Stapleton or Jason Isbell, Sturgill Simpson, they all write their own stuff. Uh, the only Sturgill Simpson song I know is a Nirvana song. When, well, when he's not deliberately covering Nirvana, he writes his own, like professional songwriters don't write his material. Oh, okay. The way that people do for George Strait, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks. You know, uh, all the all the big Brooks and Dunn, all those big, massive country people, mm-hmm. professional songwriters write their songs. Okay. Those guys couldn't write a song if their lives depended on it. The old model of that was 
your job's not to write your songs. Your job's to go perform them and sell them and be that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's new for that guy to also be writing his own little dreams and stories. But I just can't, what would it look like for you to write a song imagining what your audience's life is like so that you can appeal to their life? Could well, you even imagine writing from that point of view? I feel like for a long time, like maybe when I was in bands in the 90s, I was kind of writing from the viewpoint of like, oh, what would people love to hear? What would be a song that people would like to hear? Let me try to write that song so that I can get a big hit, so that I can become a superstar, and then I'll be happy somehow, or somehow that'll save me for myself. And I think I wrote a lot sort of coming at it from that angle. And then at some point, I was just like, oh, fuck that. I'm just going to write songs for me. Just whatever makes me happy or makes me laugh or makes me have some kind of an emotional uh, response. And then I've just been kind of writing that way ever since. Now, every once in a while, somebody will come to me and go, hey, there's a show, and it's called My Farts Got Stuck Inside My Butt can you write a theme song for that? And I'll be like, mm, my farts got stuck inside my butt. And then I'll send that out. But never have I written a song like that and then gone like, oh, this is a song I want to play. Because I'm not good at writing songs where there's an agenda. And I think that what you're talking about in in a lot of country music or just a lot of where you're writing, hoping that somebody will cover it so that it'll become a hit so you make some money. That's songwriting where you have an agenda. And I just, I'm just, I don't work good that way. I, I only write stuff where I'm not sure where it's coming from or how it's getting to my, to my brain intuitively, train of thought sort of. Well, not only that, but your audience wants you to do that because they understand that that's what makes your shit good. The the interesting thing about the country is the audience does not care where that song came from. They don't care who wrote it. They don't care if it is real. They don't care if it the artist actually lives that way. Um, I don't. I don't think that's true, dude. I think that I think those country fans think that the artist wrote it. They think that that's who the artist is. They think that those songs are completely true and that he's singing them from the heart. And, and they they just haven't researched it. But they if you were to ask them who wrote that song, they'd say whoever sang it. Yeah, and yeah. then they'd say, is it true? And they go, yeah, of course, 100%. That's my dude. He's fucking, that's who he is, dude. He fucking, he loves pickup trucks. He loves, you know, putting a hole in a beer can and sticking his dick in there and just fucking it until his dick falls off. He loves fucking uh, dressing up in clown suits and fucking murdering old ladies. That's who he is. That's why I love him. He's my guy. That <laughs> Finkel fan fumble thumbs. He's my favorite. That song that he wrote where he's fucking dressed up like a little school girl and he's Going down and cutting off the heads of school moms. Oh, man, that's one of my favorites. Where he's fucking eating, eating old 
people's buttholes out with a spoon after he fucking melts them down in a kiln. Oh, boy. I love that Finkelstern Fang Fangs. He's my favorite country artist. I can't wait to go get myself some Budweiser's and a damn whole big old bottle of pickle eggs and just go down and fucking hang out with my gang and talk about politics and also listen to the latest Finkel Fan Finkelstein albums. And when I say album, I mean whatever I could get coming into the radio station on my darn whatever I got. Damn, I need some more pickled eggs, sons. Where am I from? Well, there's only one place to be when you talk like this, son. Alabama. That's where my friend Clinton Wells is from, too. He got a Metallica podcast. That's the only other kind of music I listen to besides country. Metallica. Who boy. Get me. Get it. Get it. Go damn it. Get it. <laughs> I got to get it. Go get it, boy. Oh, darn. I done did it. Now. Oh, damn. Dude. Dude, as long as, as long as the person that you're making fun of is a white guy and you're a white guy, you can get away with it. No, I, I've got, I, I do a Southern accent on uh, the Metallica podcast and I've got this guy who really gets offended and he, you know, he, he writes me these long things where he's oh, like, no. he, he calls me a racist for making fun of rednecks. Oh, no. So, I mean, dude, the the white man feels very oppressed in this current cultural moment. They dude, feel they like they're being erased. And right. The white man is very scared right now. Oh, man. White man's PP get really small right now in this moment. Well, I've been watching uh, The White Lily on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I think it's called the White Lily. God damn it! I can't remember anything. Yeah, the White. No, the White Lotus. It's about a hotel in Hawaii, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. The writing's really good, and they talk a lot about. It's very woke, but they also talk about why it works and why it doesn't work, and like, hey, we're just sitting here as a family. We're not on social media right now. So what are we doing? Why are we virtual signaling here at the table when we could, you know, it's not like this is going out into the world. This is a safe place. We're family. Let's have feelings and quit worrying about what everybody thinks. It's interesting. Sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds nice. Who's in it? Uh, Steve Zahn, who I love. And yep. the, the lady, uh, the lady from Friday Lights. What's her name? Britain. Connie Britain. Connie Britain. She's so good. Everybody's yeah, she, everybody's great in this. Like really great ensemble. She was good in Promising Young Woman. I thought her character was creepy and yeah. 
She's good in anything she does. And with that nice praise of the great Connie Britton and the great Steve Zahn, we must now conclude this blistering episode of I'm okay, you're okay. I'm not okay, you're not okay. We did it. This is what we do. Hit hit it, boy. Hit it now. Get on. Uh, Get it. We will see you guys in a couple of days. And uh, thank you for all the support. We'll be reading some emails saying thanks to some patrons on the next round. In the meantime, leave us that positive review. Tell your buddies about it. Tell your dog about it. Give your dog a bone. Yeah, boy. Get it. That's my hype, man. (laughs) Get it, boy. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys on the flip-flop. Peace. (laughs) 